Hello and welcome to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm your only host this week, Sam Mosier. Caitlin Redwing is making the long move to Los Angeles, so send her some kind words on Twitter at Caitlin Redwing. Uh, Lord knows that platform needs some kind words at the moment. Uh, But she is especially missing out this week because we are joined by a very exciting guest, IGN's executive editor of reviews, Dan Stapleton. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. How are you doing? Oh, I'm all right. I'm I'm just uh, on the the, the end of a review. So... uh... (laughs) One of one of the bigger ones I managed to do this year, so I'm I'm uh, I'm feeling relieved, although a little bit sleep deprived. <laughs> well, we won't take up too much of your time today. Although this is an episode I personally have been anticipating for a very long time because I feel like it tra- at least a term I hadn't heard of this year, like kind of slang in the gaming industry, review season. Mm. This idea of these periods with so much coming out in a very short amount of time. And I thought, who better to speak to about how to manage this season than IGN's executive editor reviews, Dan Stapleton. So thank you again for your time. Of course. So, Dan, before we get into review season, your role as executive editor reviews, how reviews have changed during your time in the games writing space, we ask our guests some get-to-know-you questions, some more fun ones. And this one might be a bit of a setup uh, to some questions later, but what are you playing right now? I, I'm. Uh, I've just finished playing Marvel's Midnight Suns. Um, very nice. Which, which I enjoy very much. Took took a minute to grow on me, but uh, but that that combat system has a lot of depth to it, and I'm a big fan of of uh, of card games like Slay the Spire, Monster Train, that sort of thing, uh, and the kind of un- unpredictability they bring to what what you'll do, and you can't just like do the same uh, set of of moves over and over again. Once you find something that works, you got to adapt to what's dealt. So. Later in, you know, kind of the main meat of the show, we'll talk about your review process. But now that you've just published the Midnight Suns review, I'm kind of curious, what's your post-review process? Do you take a break from gaming? Do you go to some things that aren't as, you know, work-related? Or do you keep playing games you're really into that you just reviewed? Um, I mean, it depends on the game. Uh, sure. In, in this case, I, I probably will dip my toe back into it here and there, even though I spent, you know, 70-plus hours on it. Um because there is there I and mean, there's a new game plus I want to I want to kind of explore that and uh, uh, and you know just uh, kind of get the the itch to to go back to it and that's you know a sign of a of a of a great game I think that's awesome and I know also this time of year marks the beginning of some game of the year conversations I as a long time IGN reader always greatly anticipate those being published. Are there any things you're looking to getting around to, like kind of some final games to check off the you know the list? Absolutely, and, and for the record, the the uh, the conversation has been going on for a while. We've already got our, our nominees. Uh, we've got uh, you know we'll be voting on them pretty soon uh, because we got to get that that done and like the video produced by the end of the year, you know, so we can all go on vacation. Um, so that that's been in the works for a while now. Uh, I haven't finished God of War yet. I need to do that. Um, and I, uh, what, what else is that? There? I, there, but um, I'm probably not going to do much Elden Ring. That's that's just not for me. Uh, <laughs> but there there are a few uh, a few others that uh, that yeah I do I do want to dabble in before before voting time. Very nice. Yeah, I mean between you know Midnight Suns, uh, which you know as we'll discuss a longer game than I expected, Elden Ring, of course, massive. I mean I know friends who've put two hundred hours into that game, and even God of War Ragnarok is surprising. Like, like I know some people have said that's you know they clocked twice as many hours as they did the twenty eighteen game. 
Yeah, and if you if you do the post game post story content, I'm sure there's there's plenty there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then Dan, so my second get to know you question. Of course, we'll be spending a lot of time talking about games. Uh, so I wanted to ask you one non games related topic. Uh, one thing I didn't know about you until doing some final bit of you know background research before this podcast, even though I've I've heard you on IGN content for years now, say you're into making cocktails. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail to make? Uh, my my go to is probably just a just a Manhattan. Uh, like a, a, a rye, rye Manhattan with, uh, yeah, just a, just a cherry and some, uh, some bitters. Do you have any preferred bitters flavors for your Manhattan? No, I kind of, I kind of shake that up. I'll, I'll, I'll mix that up whenever I'm, whenever I'm feeling in a rut. Um, but yeah, I've got, you know, I'm not like a, not like a super hardcore co- cocktail guy. I don't have like a, like a, any fancy tools or anything, but, uh, but I like to, you know, look around for new, new things and try out new things. I love it. So let's talk about it. Marvel's Midnight Suns. Perfect timing review posted as of today that we're the day that we're recording. So if you're all listening to this podcast, pause the episode right now. Go check out Dan's review. And now that you have, let's talk about the process, Dan. How do you go about reviewing a game? And of course, I'm sure it changes with whatever title you're you know, looking at. But in the case of a big, meaty AAA title like Midnight Suns, what's your process? I mean, at at the end of the day, it's just you know play it. For, you're gonna play it and write about it. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> it's. Um, I usually will jot down notes as I'm playing. Um, yeah, depending on depending on the the circumstances I find myself in while, while, as I'm playing. Uh, in this particular case, I was I got the code just before I I uh, went to Hawaii for for a week. My my wife had a conference there. Uh, so I was playing it on my Steam Deck, even though it's not like officially approved <laughs> for Steam Deck. It did it did work, which was fortunate. Um, but uh, and I, you know, didn't have any any anything bad to say about how it runs on Steam Deck. Um, but uh, in that in that case, I was you know just playing in the evenings while my kids were asleep, and and uh, you know I was I was in charge of making sure they didn't uh, burn the hotel down. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and you know I would I would like jot down uh, some notes here and there on my phone, just when you know turn based game easy to put down, pick up your phone and jot something down. Um, yeah, then I come come home and and uh, transfer it to my PC and I'm playing there and uh, I'm a big alt tabber. I'll alt tab out of a game and, and <laughs> keep notes there. Um, I don't tend to start like actually writing until pretty close to my deadline, which is probably a bad habit um, <laughs> because what could go wrong? Um, <laughs> in this case, in this case, it did end up going down to the wire because it is such a long game and I didn't. I didn't know that going in how long it would be. I was kind of anticipating like an XCOM two uh, kind of kind of length of, you know, maybe if you're if it's you know your first time through and you're figuring things out, maybe forty hours tops. Um, so I did have to kind of sprint on this one at the end. Uh, I I, uh, I tweeted recently that I've been doing this for like twenty years and somehow I still make the mistake of. Uh, thinking like, oh, it's I'll I'll just do all this side stuff in the early in the early game and uh, and you know just really stop and smell the roses, and then uh, just realize, oh no, I've I have not used my time well. Uh, <laughs> so so I, I guess you could say I'm still refining that process. Um, but for for IGN, we do video for almost every review we publish, um, and video is very very time consuming because. Um, like for for the the written review for Midnight Suns, I think I ended up at like thirty five hundred words, something like that. Uh, our word counts for for video reviews is more like fifteen hundred. Um, 
And that's actually longer than it used to be. So it's not as hard as it used to be to adapt to a script. Uh, but it like imagine cutting a cutting a thirty five hundred word review down to seven hundred words, and that's Oof. that's that's what it, what we were doing when I started ten years ago. Um, but in re- in recent years, it's like oh, YouTube likes longer reviews, so let's make them longer. And I say okay because that's easier for me to to cut. But it also <laughs> means we need more game footage captured um, and more like uh, we we'll go through our scripts and we'll annotate them and say. Uh, I, I want you to show exactly this, exactly here, like this, this, you know, uh, this time code within this this clip that I'm sending you. Use this exact moment, uh, because the less our video editors have to guess what we're talking about, the less we have to ask for revisions, and it, it smooths <laughs> out the process. But that's that is very time consuming because you're you know sitting there going through your footage and and uh, you know marking down exactly where where things happen and like oh I need something I'm talking about about uh, having to. Uh, or I'm talking about using this specific card in Midnight Suns or this specific hero. I've got to, I've got to scrub through all my footage and find that one specific thing I'm talking about. And that takes a long time. We have a few people on staff, uh, like Mitchell Saltzman, and, uh, that who, who uh, he reviews all our fighting games and, and like action games. Uh, and he's, he's just a machine. Like he, he can turn a review around faster than pretty much anyone else. Uh, and he cuts his own reviews because he's a video guy. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a big advantage he has. I don't have that skill set, So I have to, I have to explain in painstaking detail how, how, how I need it done. Um, and sometimes we'll have, well, my, you know, Mitchell is a good example again of somebody who knows his way around a, a lot of games that we, that we're reviewing. So we don't have to explain as much to him, but some people have never touched the game in question. And in fact, that's usually the, the case because we don't necessarily have, copies to pass around or maybe they're just not into that kind of that genre and they're the video editor that gets assigned to it um so that process usually takes like after we get them everything they need to cut the video review it probably usually takes a full business day to turn that around um and during that time i can i'm you know free to to um work on you know tightening up the 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 text review if i'm not still trying to play to (laughs) to get to the end of the dang game um, but then, yeah, th- then usually we will, we just have to enter it into the CMS and schedule it. And if all goes well, it posts when we want it to. Very nice. So, man, I, so much to dig into there, I guess, kind of re- rewinding back to the very beginning, you know, as, as a consumer and just, you know, enthusiast for any sort of medium, whether it's games or movies, I can kind of, you know, take things on when I'm ready for them, but you know, reviewers are working on a deadline and, you know, often in, in this in, in this industry, hitting embargo is often very valuable. And, you know, you want those eyes when that review embargo lifts. So timing is not exactly, you don't get the same freedom that just casual people do. How do you get into the mind space of having to review something? Like, do you find yourself having to take it when you're in the mood for it? Or how do you get yourself in the mood to review something? But my, in my specific position, I'm able to pick and choose the projects I want to take on. So I'm usually in the mood to play the games that I am personally reviewing. Uh, and I try, I try to extend that same courtesy to everyone I assign reviews to. I, I almost never have to tell somebody like, you have to review this, even though you aren't, you aren't interested in it. Like that, that's, not, that's not really the voice we want. That's not uh, what, what the audience wants to hear. It's like, somebody you, you didn't want to play this game anyway why do i want to I, yeah. <laughs> I, I specifically sought out this review because i am interested to know should i play this game uh i want a perspective of somebody who is also 
or at least was interested to play this game. Um, so it's 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 not too hard to to get into the mood to review a game. I find nice. And so you bring up one of the questions I wanted to ask you: What is what flags a Dan Stapleton game? I obviously I know you you like your strategy games. What other titles kind of stick out to you as ones you would like to take for the review yourself? Uh, strategy and tactics, third person action. Um, you know, some some uh, like I, I review Vampire Survivors. Like that's something that was that was intriguing. Uh, what else did I do? I covered this year. It's all kind of a blur. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, RPGs, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I re-reviewed or did reviews of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition last year. I guess that was, and that took up a, like a huge chunk of my gaming time last year. <laughs> I can me, imagine. <laughs> it, t- it took me about like I think a total of like five months to get through all three of them um, because that was not my only job. Um, but, but it was you know, something I was playing in the background that, that series has always been a, you know, comfort food favorite of mine. So it was very nice to revisit. Um, yeah, those are, those are probably the, the broad strokes of what I, what I'll usually take on myself. I say, was going to save this question for the end, but I were right here. I figured I might ask, do you have, I mean, I know you've reviewed games for many years. Do you have a, like a favorite review that sticks out one that when you think of your time reviewing, that comes up first um hmm. not not specific i wouldn't say i have i have like a specific favorite review i would i would actually have to go back and refresh my memory <laughs> uh, there I, I was i was thinking recently man it's been probably over 200 games i reviewed <clears throat> um because you know av- average of 10 of 10 a year probably probably more than that um especially in the in the early days when that was what i was doing a lot of um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say which ones I really enjoyed reviewing. They're like reading my own writing anyway, <laughs> where, <laughs> where I feel like I really nailed that. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would hesitate to, to point to any without going back and, and seeing if, if they are as, as well written as I remember them being, cause then some, somebody's going to go read it and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. One of my, um, you know, former IGN reviewer, Greg Miller, one of my favorite bits he does on his podcast is he'll a either not remember, like, I don't blame him, like some WWE game from like the late 2000s. He'd be like, oh, I reviewed that. And then he'll read it on live on air and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I wrote this. Like, I thought this was good 15 years ago. I always get a kick out of that. Yeah. Like, especially back then, um, like there were there were like a lot of things just thrown out at people to to review and like like there was more of a comprehensive we should review everything uh, approach and that's just not even remotely practical anymore uh, especially like you know if you if you didn't have to do video you'd be able to turn them around faster uh, it's a little bit less of a lift um, and you know you could <laughs> it's 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 just so different now than it was fifteen years ago yeah so you. This brings up, you know, you mentioned it, describing the Midnight Suns process that, you know, when you started at IGN, video reviews were shorter. Now, given kind of how the YouTube algorithm favors things, they can be a little longer. I personally enjoy the, I, I love the long stuff, love digging into that. Um, but you started uh, your games writing at PC Gamer. You became EIC at GameSpy. Then you went over to IGN in 2013. Over your time in the games writing industry, how have 
has reviewing changed? Like, how has your process changed over that time? Oh, well, yeah, that PC Gamer it was there was there was no PCGamer.com when I when I started. Uh, that was in 2004, um, and it took, it took a long time to get uh, PCGamer.com going. I forget if we got if we even had uh, we may have even had PC Gamer podcast going before. In fact, I'm sure we did before we had a like proper PCGamer.com. Um, which was an odd sequence of events, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it like doing it just a pure written review with a very tight word count, uh, to fit in a magazine page mm. is, is very different than it is today. Uh, where, where, you know, we've got all the, all the, I can write as much as I want, as much as I feel I have to say. Um, and you know, we're, we're, we're editing for, for clarity rather than editing for space, which is a, a big deal, uh, when you're, when you're just trying to get your ideas out. Uh, but outside of that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the. Oh, I guess the the other the other big thing that's changed since then is lead time. Uh, mm. When you, especially in print, uh, we used to get you know like the magazine had to go to press a month before it came out effectively. And you know that that time shrank a little bit over over the years, but um, for the most part, it was it was three weeks to a month when uh, that we would need lead time, and that's that's when we we had to have the review done. So we would get the the review copies like two months before it came out, um, whereas and just over my eight years at PC Gamer, I watched that time shrink and shrink and shrink because uh, you know the consoles had had adopted the you know zero day patch is kind of a standard thing, so everybody was waiting for their zero day patches, um, and that you know burning the candle at both ends on that side of the of the business too. Uh, this, you know, kind of collided with our ability to get early review copies because nobody wants to send out their project that they've worked on for years and years with with, you know, blemishes that they even have a have a hope of fixing before the they, uh, you know, absolutely need to. Um, so that that's that's led to, I would say, some stressful times <laughs> when <laughs> when, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're we're feeling under the gun to get something published sooner and you know that that's in turn led to uh, you know reviews in progress becoming a much more common thing, um, and just just like have to be okay with with not having something up right away for for the purposes of of like the well being of our reviewers. Like we don't, I I never want to push somebody that hard. Um, I mean, we'll we'll have uh, in, in instances going back to Mitchell Saltzman again, like when he covered Elden Ring. Oh. Uh, he had, he had tweeted something like, "Oh, I you know played this game for 80 hours in in a week or something." It was it was some ridiculous short time, and he had to co- go back and say, "No, no, no, they didn't make me do it. I did that. Like that was <laughs> they told they told me it would be totally fine to do a, a review in progress. They didn't force me to do that. Uh, he just really wanted. He loved that game. He gave it a ten. So he just he just didn't <laughs> want to stop playing it. Um, and yeah, that that's uh. So something we you know t- talk about with people a lot because there there is concern about burning people out or or you know exploiting reviewers who really want really want to get a foot in the industry uh, and will will work really hard to do it and we we tell them no don't do that <laughs> like that's not healthy um, and get you, you get criticism like oh well what are you doing to prevent them from doing that it's like well I tell them not to I promise them it's okay. Uh, but beyond that, it's like you can't tell somebody don't play a game you want to play. Like that's kind of <laughs> silly. Um, and, and like they 
aren't in my physical presence. I can't I can't slap the game out of their hands. So there's there's a limited amount of control I have over over you know what people play when I you know I always ask them what's reasonable. You know, tell me if it's if uh, if you think you need more time. Just you know please don't do that at the last possible second because we've got we've got a bunch of video people waiting to receive this uh, this draft and this video. So they're going to be spinning their wheels if they don't get it in time if we, if we don't if we don't tell them it's not coming. So you mentioned a few things. I kind of, I had kind of bulleted things I might expect you to you know, bring up to that answer. And this, you know, since the the PC Gamer Days, which I hadn't even thought about the lead times for magazines. That's so interesting. I uh, think about them often. <laughs> <laughs> but like you mentioned, this idea of the review in progress with the, you know, rise of early access titles and games you know you getting them before the multiplayer servers are online uh how does ign determine when a review in progress is ready to become the full review i mean it's it's a judgment call it's it's sure. you know there's there's no one size fit all fits all answer for pretty much any of these questions uh so it's it is it is you know to some extent arbitrary and flying by the seat of our pants uh but uh, you know, the, the same rules just don't apply to like World of Warcraft as they do to Call of Duty or you know, to Activision games. But but it, it, imagine if you go beyond that one publisher, the rules are, are wildly different, um, you know, across the board. Um, so you just have to kind of do the best you can and hope that hope that you're informing your audience well with the, you know, not not uh, cutting too many corners just to be first. Mm-hmm. So I guess that then brings up my next question with, I mean, games are so massive nowadays. There's some that they can be the only game you play all year. And when it comes to reviewing a product like that, I mean, obviously, A, like you mentioned, transparency is key. Just, you know, letting the reader or viewer know like how much of the game was considered for review. But um, with games with hundreds of hours of side content or whatever, how does, you know, that process work in terms of determining what is worthy and uh, worth getting through for a review. Yeah, we we definitely don't like require somebody to one hundred percent a game to to review it. It's generally, uh, you know, if there's a if there's an end within reasonable reach, try to reach that end. Um, if uh, like for for like Elden Ring, it's it's like Mitchell wanted to beat the final boss. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you don't have to beat like every optional boss in that entire game. Um, but so you know, rolling credits is usually the the um, the the general thing we want to be able to say we did. Because um, so, there's there's a an odd perception out there that reviewers don't finish their games. I don't know any reviewers that don't. Um, you know, like and, and that's you know in our guidelines, like we expect people to finish their game. If we don't, for whatever reason, we'll tell you and explain why. Um, I think in in my in my ten years here, I think the only the only game I can think of off the top of my head that I didn't finish before I reviewed it was um, was Darkest Dungeon, and that was mm. because that the ending of that game is stretched out at, to be this just like absurd grind, and they they actually patched it later to to not to have a different mode where you don't have to do that. But I was I was going through it and just like try, trying and trying and trying to get to the end, and it's like this is just not going to happen, um, like. If I if I wait until I until I get to the very end of this, it it could be like months, and nobody's going to care about this review anymore. But I think I've got a sense of it. You know, I've got mm-hmm. the, I've got just I've got the gist of what's going on. So I just explain like 
here's what I did. Here's why I didn't do more. Um, I guess, I guess with, with no man's sky, when that came out, I, <laughs> I was, I also, you know, got, I bit that, that bait and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I'll take that one on. Great. Uh, it's like, Oh, I'll just get to the center of the galaxy. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, not, not so much. That's not how that game works. So I, I just <laughs> had to pick an arbitrary point and call it at, 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 at <laughs> before, before reaching the center of the universe. And that makes sense. I mean, of course, the object of many games is to quote unquote roll credits, whatever that means, game to game. But like with the title like Darkest Dungeon, where you know, a roguelite, where roguelike, where it's more about the experience and exp- like going through the loop and and seeing how that changes, you know, run to run. That is way more important and indicative of the quality of the game than actually finishing it. So, it totally makes total sense for that kind of review. And like Vampire Survivors is another one. It's like, when have you finished Vampire Survivors? Yeah. Um, you know, in in my case, over the over the course of the past year or so of that of that game, you know, I, I started playing it. Uh, I guess late, well, shortly after it went into early access, which I guess was like December of twenty twenty. I want to say, um, but I started playing it then and just kept coming back to it. Um, and I racked up, I think I've racked up over a hundred hours of that game. Uh, just like in the background, because <laughs> uh, it is it is very much a listen to podcasts while you play a game um, and good on the Steam Deck, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, but like I still haven't gotten like every achievement in that game, especially because they keep putting out new ones. Uh, so like when have you finished it? Uh, it's, yeah. it's That's an open ending, open ended question, especially when you've got like meta progression around uh, around a game like that. And on this topic of how reviews have changed over time, I'd be remiss to bring up a topic that I know is kind of a sore subject around a lot of reviewers, which is scores. Um, in my time reading IGN, the, the scoring process has understandably changed a lot since you know the, the 100-point scale. I'm curious what those conversations look like. I mean, I, of course, side on you know IGN and many reviewers' take of just like, the score is just kind of a cheat sheet, and I don't even know, I don't want to... You, I'd love to hear your words, what the score means, but like just an indication about a you know, game's quality, and it's really the meat of you know what you want in the game is there in the review for you to read. Um, but I'm curious to get your opinion on wh- what the importance of a score is for a review. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's the most uh, distilled down you can make a summary or the you know the yes. most pared down you can do. It's like the absolute least you can say about a game and convey an opinion, um, and that that's valuable to a lot of people and at IGN in particular it's part of the brand right we've been doing it for really 20 years people know what what that means when they look at it just because uh we've been around so long doing it so long if we stopped doing it or we switched to to stars or or a letter grade or something else uh like or if we switched to just like out, out of five people would see you know uh, <laughs> IGN gave this a five what the, you know it must be terrible um so <laughs> uh there's there's something to be said for for consistency. Um, when I when I got here, we were on the hundred point system. We had recently switched from from a twenty point system, you know, points point fives, uh, which had lasted about a year or two, uh, be, and before that had been hundred point system. So it, it it had fluctuated a bit there. Um, I, I guess it was it was January twenty twenty when I finally pushed through switching <laughs> to just just uh one you know uh full point scale full point system uh with with 10 points um i 
and you know, I had been at PC Gamer, which also uses a hundred hundred point scale, except it's more like a ninety eight point scale because there's never been a ninety nine or a hundred. Um, I'm kind of of the opinions like, why do you have a a a score on your scale that is impossible to obtain? Uh, like you're like it doesn't it doesn't really exist if if it's if you're never using it. Um, so I had been doing hundred point scales for, and I guess at at GameSpy. I was at GameSpy for a, a little over a year, um, and there we were on a five-star system with half stars, so it was effectively a ten-point system. But going from PC Gamer to GameSpy made me appreciate the simplicity of the scale, uh, because, like, what is the difference between a seven-point-seven and a seven-point-eight? It's like, well, you can say a seven-point-seven is one one point lower than 7.8 <laughs> but what does that mean it it implies uh it implies there's math happening it implies there's some uh kind of comparison you can make between two games reviewed by two different people that has that level of granularity and just none of that is true um you know like the 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 difference between a 7.7 and a 7.8 is you know arguably how much sleep i got last night what i had for lunch <laughs> like it's not it's it's that arbitrary um, and it's just a, m- a matter of like, what do I think matches up with my text the most, but that's, you know, two different people can read the same text and come up with two different numbers on a hundred point scale. That can be like, you can, you can have different numbers on a 10 point scale having, having two people read the same thing because they have different priorities and what, what they value more. Um, so a hundred point scale is just for me, maddeningly granular, um, but I, I do think there is value in in a, in a review score of some kind. Um, yeah, I'm not one of those one of those abolish review scores kind of people. I understand the the argument of like, oh well, people aren't gonna aren't gonna read the review if if um, if you have a score. It's like, well, I don't think those people are gonna read the review anyway. You can you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so with a score, we can we can provide our services to that audience, even though if they if they don't care to understand the nuance behind it uh they're still there's they still become part of our audience yeah i think that's a, a great defense of the review score specifically the 10 point scale uh I, the simplicity of it i think is easily understandable and loses some of the silliness of the 100 point scale not to mention i always uh got a kick out of almost the backhanded nature of like the point nine. Like, not quite an 8 or, you know, the 7.9 or whatever. I always found those reviews funny. Yeah, those those ones drove me a, b- a little bit nuts, too, because like, <laughs> it's always, like, wishy-washy, and it's like, pick a side. You're just trying yeah. to straddle this fence. Um, and it's it's it almost felt, like, vindictive in, in some cases. Like, <laughs> why why deny them that, that bump up into the, into the next thing? Again, that's like a, you know, maybe a bad night's sleep kind of thing. Um, so... I and you know, honestly, like if if it were if it were just me, I would probably use a five point scale because I like the I like the bigger buckets. I think the nuance is, is found in the text. But like I said, like the, the brand of IGN is, is you know, X out of 10, even even it was a 100 point scale. It's X out of 10. Um, so that makes it makes a lot of sense to stick with that for us. And effectively, the way it's used just because people are are so accustomed to it and you can't you can't like reprogram how people think about numbers uh effectively effectively the way it's used is like the bottom half of the scale is all this is not good we don't recommend this it's just how much we don't recommend this so mm-hmm. arguably 
all of that should be one, you know, one out of five and you know, go up to go up to 10. So that would be like a more efficient thing in my mind, but it's all personal preference. Sure. And, and while we're here, I curious to get your take on kind of, again, kind of the, the crowd that is very quick to like deride or, or only focus on the, the score itself. This idea that like all, almost everything nowadays is a seven or above. I mean, I think I, I my personally, my two takes on, the, on that are, are one. I mean, it makes sense that we're investing reviews in games that are more likely to be good than ones that aren't. We don't want to be wasting anybody's time putting a bunch of hours into something that's bad. And then even on the, and then B on the flip side, the developer side, uh, just with the size and scale of games these days, I think most of them can't afford to be anything less than, you know, a seven or above. So I'm curious exactly. what your take is. That, that's, that's very close to what I usually tell people is like, Hey, like if you were a developer and you were making a game that w- that internally was testing at like four, you would probably cancel that game. Mm-hmm. Like why, why throw good money after bad? Uh, what, you know, try and market this thing. Uh, if, if you don't have, if you don't think there's at least a, a substantial number of people who are going to think it's, it's, you know, at least a seven, um, whether, you know, obviously everyone's not going to think that, um, but also it's, it's, you know, like I said, there's no way we can cover everything. We have to, we have to pick our battles. Um, we're much more interested in telling somebody about something that's good than something that's bad. Uh, and like a, a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, you see on steam or, or, uh, the, all the, the, sto- the, the digital stores, like clearly that doesn't look very good. It would be a surprise if it was good. Um, so as a result of that, uh, it never picks up word of mouth. And as a result of that, nobody, nobody is Googling, is this game any good? And if they're not Googling, if that game is any good, like they don't, nobody knows the name of it, so they can't search for it. So what is the value in telling somebody this thing you never heard of isn't good? It's like, you're, that's a waste <laughs> of everybody's time. It's like, you never heard of it. That's fine. Yeah. And the story. It's like, what? And then, and then they ask you, why are you even talking to me? So, <laughs> like, what, what, I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, what if the, what if the front page of IGN was filled with a bunch of games that nobody wanted to read about? That doesn't, doesn't make any sense from, a, from a business standpoint. And like, you know, we, we have to pay the salaries or the freelance fees for, for people that are reviewing these games. We're not going to make any money doing that. So, uh, like even, and it's, you know, it's tragic, but like when we, when we find, when we do find a game that, that's low profile, nobody's heard of. And we, we, uh, you know, pick it up and review it. And, and because we think it's special and we want to show it off, um, uh, and introduce it to as many people as we can, it still doesn't do very good traffic because, because of that Google problem. Like mm-hmm. I, some, sometimes they'll, they'll take off, but that's rare. But the, the Google problem is, is the big thing because like, it's not going to, it's not going to get resurfaced on YouTube. It's not going to, uh, get, uh, any real eyeballs on it because it's, it's just so, under the under the you know under the radar for so many people if they don't know the name they can't find the review yeah that totally makes sense to me while we're while we're on this subject and you know as a pr person myself i'm curious what how can pr professionals or reps for games best pitch you or an ign you know writer for reviewing a game so it's it's tricky because most of the time we already know what we what we want to review based on 
what's out there, what, the word of mouth, the traffic metrics. We, we already have a, a, a big long list of games that, that we think is going to perform well. Uh, usually I don't, if somebody, uh, a freelancer pitches me, I want to review this game. Usually I, I, I say, sorry, that's, that's not, uh, we're not really interested in that because it's, it's not popping on our metrics. It's not something that that's really taking off. It's not going to be worth this chunk of my freelance budget to cover it. Um, you know, occasionally something will be like, oh, that is really cool. Or it's a freelancer I've worked with a lot and I know they've, they're not going to, not going to find some weird little, <laughs> weird little <laughs> thing to, to give a super high score that we're, that we're going to have to stand behind for a long time. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, the best way is to, is to get something that, that people are interested in. Cause I, I want to answer that question. I want to answer the question if the, if it's any, as good as it looks. Um, so the, the, I guess the, the, the best way is to, uh, pitch my colleague, Ryan McCaffrey, who runs IGN's previews and get him to bite on like, Oh, I, this is, this is something really cool. Let's see if that, you know, take a chance on this. See if it, if it, um, if it takes off and then if it does great or, or have a, like a, a killer trailer that goes out and, and that gets, you know, you know, it's, you got to pray to the, the, the YouTube algorithm gods there as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's. I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but it's really hard. <laughs> I, I know, I know it's, and I know it's, a, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a catch 22 because how do you get eyes on your, on your game if nobody wants to cover it because there are no eyes on your game? Uh, I wish I had a solution to that problem. Yeah. I, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, it's our job to find that solution, but sometimes it can be hard to find it ourselves. Uh, but I appreciate the honesty on the review, and that makes sense that the process starts, obviously, and, and that is our job, way earlier than the review process. It's about getting attention at announcement and preview. That way, when we ideally reach out to an IGN reviewer, they know what it is, and they're excited to get their hands on it. So in that reaching out process, let's say it is a game that they're interested in, and so that step is already done. But in said review pitch, what ideally is in there for you? Like, I mean, it sounds like, I saw a tweet about this recently that it sounds like in review pitches, we should be including like ish how long a game is just so reviewers can ideally plan, you know, their schedules accordingly. And that, that is something I will usually ask. Um, and you know, it's not, it's some, sometimes people will, will, uh, will put that in there, but it, it is very helpful. And even if, even if it is a, a, a known game, like I want to know that because, <laughs> because I wish I had known that about midnight sun. Actually, they, <laughs> They they actually did uh, say it's like a sixty hour game, but I think they understated it a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's because uh, it, usually some of those some of those estimates we they're like ah oh, that you know that's for people who don't know what they're doing. But <laughs> but uh, dev uh, time as they call it, yeah. or you know like that they might they might have uh, they might have testers that they're just like entirely new to a genre and don't don't know their way around it or something like that. But um, I'd say more often than not that those those estimates tend to be, you know, a few hours off one, yeah. one way or the other. Um, but I, I, I would say, I mean, first and foremost, just send the code as soon as you possibly can. Uh, because the, if, if something looks cool and I have a lot of time with it, even if it's not as big, I might, I might be able to take that on, you know, maybe it's on the back burner, but I, I might still take it on if I'm interested in playing it. Um, but if it, if it if it's coming in hot, I'm just it's like no way. There's no no point. Um, 
because by the time I'm able to get to it, uh, no, like nobody will care about what I have to say about it anymore because it'll be late. Um, or if I have to, you know, work super hard to get a game out, uh, a review out at the door, like around when it's out. And like, that's when most people are asking the question, if it's good, um, then, then like I'm, I'm working super hard for this smaller game that probably isn't going to have the, the traffic payoff that we'd be looking for, for putting in that kind of effort. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Anything else you would like to see in that pitch? Uh, I mean, again, like pitches, <laughs> pitches are, are not, not really my thing. Uh, Fair. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, just like information that I would like to receive along with the early code. Um, yeah. I mean, just any, any kind of, like I'm totally happy to work with like a caveats list. Like if in exchange for, you know, get me, get me the, the code early to say like, Hey, we're working on these things. Uh, you can expect this stuff to change. There are some bugs here. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rag on a game for, for something that, that you're fixing because that doesn't, that doesn't help me because nobody who plays it afterwards is going to experience that. Um, so that, like that just makes me look wrong. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it is in everybody's interest to send the code early with a, with a list of things that like, and you know, I want to circle back and check to make sure the, the patch fixed it like you said it would, but that's a lot easier to do than, uh, than like power through a game after you've patched it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, Oh, Oh, here's a, here's one that, that would make my life easier. Uh, some key art with no logos or, or uh, text on it anywhere. Just give me the key art at, at a good resolution. That's that's one thing that I almost always or not almost always, but often have to go back uh, and and ask for, because you know like key art with the logo on it. Uh, you know if you, if you look at IGN, we don't we don't use the logos. Uh, we actually have a, a a rule like we don't want to use the the logos unless absolutely necessary because it's a picture of text followed by text with the same thing in it. It just looks messy. Um, our art team hates that. So uh, yeah, please please please. Uh, Give me some some cool art I can use to to promote the review when it's done. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's that's most of it. I mean, honestly, I I just like to be given a game and left alone, <laughs> you know, because because I I like the I like the experience of or trying trying to get our experience as close to the experience of somebody who just you know buys this game off the metaphorical shelf. Um, like we get we get offers of like, oh, do you want to talk to the developers about it? It's like not really. Like the game should speak for itself. Um, I'm sure your, your developers are very nice. I'm sure they're interesting. Uh, I might, you know, be interested to talk to them later if, if, you know, for feature coverage or something like that. But, um, but for the purpose of the review, just, just give me the game in a box, you know, <laughs> the code and email and, uh, we're off to the races. Yeah. Let me dig into it. And, and that brings me to a question I wanted to ask about your process. So do you find yourself as for lack of a better way to phrase it, like a reviewer in isolation, or do you find yourself, and I'm sure, again, it's game by game, ever reaching out and finding other people playing the game to share thoughts or experiences, or, or maybe even like, do you run into this bug too? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, especially if we run into bugs, we'll, we'll try and find other people that are playing and and, and see if that's, or, you know, but I, if there's a, if there's a obvious bug I'll, uh, that's, impeding my progress, I'll, I'll reach out to the developer and, and the PR and say, like, is there, please, please save me. Uh, <laughs> like, is there a way to, is there a way around this? Because it, it's always, it's always really rough playing a game before it's out because I can't like Google to see if there's a problem, uh, there's a solution to these problems um, because no one else is playing. Um, 
So at IGN, if it's a game of any significant uh, stature, we will typically have people on our guides team playing, people on our video team playing, some people, if they can get it, on our, our uh, features team playing. Um, and in those cases, we have we have Slack channels set up for people that are playing those games uh, to just you know chime in and ask other people uh, what what their what their experience is like. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, like for for Midnight Suns, I was I was checking in with our guide writers. Uh, like, how the heck do I solve this this puzzle? <laughs> there was there was actually a, a bug in one puzzle that you would put in the the correct solution multiple times and it wouldn't work, and then it just worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> Like oh that was but like that was just like some some obscure side puzzle you didn't have to do so it's not like I'm gonna like rake it over the coals for that but yeah but it was it was aggravating and and just like uh, having somebody to talk about that stuff with is is you know it's a good sanity check because it's, it's like oh did did this go wrong for you too um uh, and like we will have uh, if it, it's actually really nice to have other people at your at your outlet who are playing the same game because. I can write a review and have somebody who knows what I'm talking about read over it. If I say something that turns out to be wrong, I would love that for that to be caught before it goes out to the public. But if I'm if I am in a bubble reviewing a game, like if we only get one copy, or if it's some you know smaller game that we can only afford to put one person on, uh, that is that is a risk that happens. <laughs> you know, uh, a, a problem that happens is that uh, you don't have a sanity check by somebody who knows uh, if you're saying something crazy. <laughs> Totally. And that brings me kind of the last bit of the review process we haven't directly touched on is the editing process. You know, of course, as executive editor reviews, what I do bring to reviews when you look at them, does that change based on what the score is? Is there more scrutiny for a 10 than for a 7? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, we like we definitely want to have like a, a sanity check in place for, for a 10. Uh, unless it's like one of our like most more senior trusted people and they uh, and you know it's it's not it doesn't seem crazy and they they back it up well um, but usually if if we're handing out tens it's something that a lot of people are, are playing or you know, multiple people have played and can say like oh yeah that sounds that sounds right uh, um, there it's pretty rare that we've that we've said like let's dial that back a little bit from 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 a 10 because people have to be feeling pretty good about something before they, before they, uh, come to us with that score. Um, and you know, for, for nines too, I try, I try to, uh, be a little bit protective of that score just because it's, it's easy to go overboard and just diminish the value of it, especially when there are so, so few games that we review that, that come in at six or lower. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's always there are always discussions, um, you know, and and part of that is like they'll they'll submit a draft, and sometimes they'll they'll have a score on it initially, and sometimes not, um, and we'll just go over it, and you know, if if it seems like a mismatch with with the score that they they give, it's like well I I say well you say you know you said this game is great, but then you gave it a score that that's that says seven, which means good on our scale, so it's like I try and find that that alignment like they literally use the word great or they literally use a word on our scale uh that is different from what what uh what the number uh, assigned to it is so you have to bring that into alignment um and just you know making sure the tone is matched up like if they if the review is like 75 percent complaints and then 
oh, but I, but I really like it. Um, that doesn't really work. It's like you gotta, you gotta, gotta make sure that you're not leaving people with a bad taste in their mouth or giving them whiplash at the end when, when it's like, but ignore all that terrible stuff I said. It's actually really good. Um, so it's like, well, if you're recommending this, tell me why you recommend it, not why you don't. So it's, it's just a process of, of giving, giving that kind of feedback. Uh, I have a great big document about, about like do's and don'ts for reviews. Um, one of the, one of the main things and the, the, uh, <laughs> things that, that I see happen most often with, you know, with both new writers and to a lesser extent ex- experienced ones is there'll be just a lot of describing a game. Um, it's like, well, we already know what this game is. We, and like, that's not what a review is for. A review is not to tell me what it is. It's to, a review is to tell me if you think I should play it. Uh, somebody doesn't need to come ar- around or away from reading your review, knowing how to play. That's an instruction manual. Tell me if you think I should play. Um, and so I, I try to get in as much opinion as possible. And if somebody says, well, I don't have an opinion to state about this. It's like, well, why are you telling me? Like what, what's, uh, what's like, let's, let's, I just want this to be as dense with opinion as possible. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I think if, you know, again, returning to the question of how have reviews changed in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, when I go back in the internet archive and reading reviews from 15 years ago, it, it I feel like as they've changed, they become more analytical and, you know, opinion based versus like the first half of the review just being, here's the description of the story and the gameplay and, uh, so I really respect and, and, and like how those reviews have changed over time. And I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's it's it's universally changed. I don't think sure. I don't think uh, everybody subscribes to that same <laughs> idea. I think I think and, you know, that, they're not crazy to say like, oh, people come to this and they want to know what it is and they want objective fact. Um, but, you know, you know, if you're still calling it a review and still, uh, you know, claiming to evaluate it at the end saying saying if it's good or not like that's that's not really what we're all here for so we've had we covered all of the like the process you know reviewing who's reviewing it how pr plays into it now throwing a wrench when let's talk about you know the the present moment review season uh in october uh kind of what spawned this idea for the episode you tweeted that ig was working on 13 game reviews at the same time not even counting all of the several movie tv and tech reviews all happening at the same time uh on the day this podcast releases alone three major video games marvel's midnight suns need for speed unbound and Callisto protocol all release uh so these busy release seasons kind of this fall one and i think the moment that spawned it was back in February when Elden Ring, uh, oh shoot, uh, Horizon, Sifu, and Dying Light 2 were all coming out in the same month, spawned this term review season. Dan, what's the iGen managerial process of handling review season? <laughs> well, quick fact check though. Uh, yeah, Need for Speed. Need for Speed is already out. Is it? Any- yeah, well, the EA will tell you the release date is, is Friday. But EA will lie to you because I just read will... your article about this. Yep. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, anybody, anybody with money who is willing to pay EA some money right now can play that game. It is, it is released. That's what that word means uh, to anyone who isn't in the marketing department. Apparently, um, that that's just one of my little pet peeves because because <laughs> I actually that one that one caught me by surprise. I was too busy to to look Same. up like because usually they they only did uh, they only do that with uh, like multiplayer heavy reviews. Uh, and I'm sure there is multiplayer involved in Need for Speed, but 
usually it's it's like the sports games, it's the shooters. Um, I don't I don't think they did this with Need, Need for Speed last time, but it's very annoying because I would and like I, I would have asked them for earlier review codes uh, had I known that uh, they would have said no, but at least I would have been ready for it uh, <laughs> because yeah, it's very very frustrating. But anyway, um, your actual question: review season. Review season has been a thing as long as I've been. I guess in that's business. true. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just it's it's kind of changed around a bit in that uh, it used to be exclusively referring to August through November. Um, now you know Q1 has its own its own uh, period of stuff that that didn't make it into that <laughs> that uh, window. So and you know, it's it's in many years it's been bigger than than uh than you know q4 so it's it's uh it just but it's it's night and day between uh you know q1 q4 q1 q2 and q3 uh just our workload um sometimes in the in the middle of the year we are just like struggling to find things that are worth reviewing um and you know you could say well why don't you go back and review old stuff it's like well nobody is googling for those reviews anymore it's not that's not not really worth our time either um, and not to say those games aren't good. I'm sure many of them are, and, and it would have been lovely to have had the time and resources to review them. But uh, yeah, we because everything is so clustered up, it's uh, it's really hard to get to. Like, please don't re- review your your cool indie or release your cool indie game in the, either of those <laughs> periods. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's just it's always been just like oh, this is you know they want to get this stuff on on shelves before Thanksgiving. So or before Black Friday, um, so that's when they release the games, and that's when they all cluster up, and that's when we get, get super super duper busy. Um, and you know, it, it, the at IGN in, in in specific, like we we do have resources within the company that we can shift. Like we, you know, it's like oh, the boat's tipping over that way. Let's all move <laughs> to the other side. Um, so it's but you know, when when the reviews team is busy, the guides team is also busy. The video team is also busy. So. Uh, you know, we, we lean on freelancers a lot and, and, uh, just do, do what we can to triage, uh, what needs to be covered. So that totally makes sense about, you know, I guess it's funny. I think review season became like a term because it was weird how busy Q1 was, which is something that has become a trend in the last few years when you're totally right that that is just status quo for, you know, August through November for years, um, but comparing these periods to the more slower summer periods, in terms of managing, like you said, the the workload and the hands on deck that are needed to, to run with the ship metaphor of, you know, the the writers, the editors, the the video team, is there <laughs> forgive like are you using certain like software or do you have like a spreadsheet where you're you're game planning this all out? I mean I, I do have a, a spreadsheet of of uh I mean, I've got my budget spreadsheet. I've got my my upcoming game spreadsheet, um, but it's it's just generally accepted and known at this point because we've all been doing this a long time. Uh, like, oh, those those months we're probably not going to have um, that much stuff, so we just won't we won't plan on it. Um, and you know, there there are exceptions, and like, the, and if I if I see that that uh, you know oncoming truck bearing down on me, and there's and I don't have enough resources, I I you know. I uh, send it up the chain, and the, and the, almost almost always they can help me out because because again yeah, it's not that busy a time, so we got people available. Um, so it like the it would have to be a, a you know 
real uh, misalignment of the stars for 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 us not to be able to cover a significant game that, that surprised us and came out around then. And like E3 is is one of those times when, uh, or used to be one of those times when <laughs> uh, a, a game would just like, and it's available now, and we're like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you don't see that very often. Um, and it, if you do, like, even if we had a review to release at that point, uh, in the in the midst of all of those those um, those uh, announcements, people would probably just get buried anyway. So it's probably mm-hmm. probably not the worst thing in the world for for it to uh, to you know, be a little bit later anyway. So you mentioned you know reviewing. It's it's just another word for a really crowded release season. Uh, and you mentioned obviously that that hurts the attention for say like indie games trying to get reviewed right now. Um, but have there, are there any other side effects or, you know, things you notice that happen during this period that you would advise developers or even PR folks against during this time? I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but get us your games as early as you possibly can. We will work with caveat lists. We will do, we'll bend over backwards. Just like, give us the time. Like the, the difference between, uh, getting a game on a Friday and a Monday is enormous. Uh, just, just like being being able to play it over that weekend is is so huge. And another thing on the on the other end of that, please don't set your embargoes for for Monday mornings. Please don't do that to us, <laughs> because when we're producing that video, that means we like unless we're going to have people working over the weekend to produce the video, we need to have that that review written and basically done on Thursday, and it doesn't have to go up until Monday. And we're just sitting there for all that time going like, I could have been working on this. I could have, this, this could have been, this could have been so different. <laughs> like even if, even if you, if you do it on a Tuesday morning, like 3am on a Tuesday, that's great. Cause we can produce the video review on Monday for the love of all that is holy. <laughs> do not, do not make us put out a review on Monday morning. That's very good to know. I will pass that advice along. <laughs> I have, in terms of, you know, the the reviewers at IGN, whether it's Mitchell or you, has review season ever prevented either anybody from wanting to review as many games as they wanted, that somebody else had to take a review that they really wanted because they're busy down on something else? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, like, I, I kind of, I was kind of looking forward to reviewing uh, Hard West, or, um, or not, not not Hard West, which, which, which oh. there's like three different West games. It was um, Weird West it, earlier evil, this evil year. West, evil, evil West, Evil West. Thank you. <laughs> I I did review uh, Weird West. I was like, I'd, I'd love to do another another uh, you know horror <laughs> western. Yeah, that looks like fun. Um, but that conflicted with Midnight Suns, so I, so I had to had to pass that one off. But yeah, it, it's it's all a, you know a scheduling thing, um, and you know that's another another reason it's nice to know uh, at least know when a game is uh, expected to come in for review, because. So, like if if something isn't going to come until close to launch, then it's really nice to know so I can work on something else. Um, but also, don't do that. <laughs> make it make it come earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah, because also uh, when I get tempted to squeeze in another review before your game comes in, bad things happen. Don't do that to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, also like if if we don't take that that precaution, um, I'm I'm going to go back to 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 uh, XCOM two again. Uh, because when, when War of the Chosen came out, the expansion for that was like right on top of uh, Mario plus Rabbids uh, mm. Kingdom Battle. And I had planned to review both of them, and 
like that they they just like collided and i and like over like it's it's always a tragedy when 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 they they overlap and i could have been playing both or <laughs> and i have to choose one or the other and you know for for ended up with you know being up really late with the mario rabbits review trying to get that done at the door and uh um uh, and that that was that was no fun and uh, the game was fun <laughs> but it was no fun to uh to uh to you know try try to to squeeze both those out um especially when when i in theory had enough time or at least a little bit more time i probably still would have been up late because you know time management but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i know there's overlap is is always sad but but it's usually usually when there's something when there when there are two games that uh, that i want to review one of them is something that somebody else could do just as easily so and I still get to play it. It's not like I don't get to play it. Um, so I can play it without, without as much pressure. That's that's arguably better. So as long as your your you know your pride isn't too wrapped up on what you reviewed, uh, it's not a big deal. That makes sense. Yeah, XCOM and and a Mario strategy game is a rare alignment of the Dan Stapleton stars. <laughs> you, you would you would think so, but uh, uh, Midnight Suns was initially going to come out like the same day as. <laughs> As uh, Sparks of Hope. True. I was like, thank God they pushed it. <laughs> well, Dan, we've discussed, you know, advice for developers and PR folks when reaching out to your reviews. My, my last question, and to close out this episode, which has been great. Again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, what are your advice for reviewers? I mean, when it comes to review season and you're assigning it out to folks, is there any, you know, kind of staple advice, you no pun intended, that you always give to <laughs> folks? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd say probably the, the biggest one is, is like, if there's, if there's a problem that you're going to have turning in a draft on time or turning in your video on time, let us know as soon as possible, because, uh, you know, there's, if we've got 13 projects going at once, uh, if something slips, uh, it's, it's way easier to fix our schedule. Uh, if, if we know it more than a day in advance or like the night before, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, if, if that that's that's probably the the main thing you can do to to help us out is just let it help us manage expectations absolutely well all you listening out there go again read dan's midnight suns review on ign.com that article we referenced earlier which i didn't know applied to need for speed unbound but is totally right is titled when is the game's release date not a release date also a very good trend worth reading about right now dan where else can people find you right now uh, I'm. Uh, I guess I'm. I'm on Hive. Everyone's on Hive. Now. <laughs> Everyone's on Hive. Yeah, but uh, pretty much everywhere. My 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 username is Dan Stapleton. Very nice. Uh, not, not not very hard to find. You can find this show at Real Time Strats on social media. Email us questions at podcast at triplepointbr.com. Find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier. And Dan, once again, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you about reviews today. My pleasure. It was fun. Good. Well. To all there out there listening, and to Caitlin Redwin making the move to LA, thank you all so much for listening.